Hi and welcome to the latest edition of the Fosrock Podcast. My name's Chris Orme, I'm the National Specification Manager for Concrete Repair and Coatings. My name's Andy Hatch, I'm the Regional Concrete Repair Specification Manager, so I cover the Midlands and the North. I'm Tony Woodham, uh, Concrete Repair Spec Manager for London and the South East. So what we're going to talk to you today about is our concrete repair range that we have at Fosrock. Um, we have a number of different pro- products um, for, that can be used in a variety of different projects. Um, in our render rock range, we have a range of concrete repair motors that you can use as hand-placed repairs, flowable repairs, sprayable repairs, be that wet or dry spray. Um, we have um, slab repair materials by Renderock S, um, Patchrock, Paverock, we have Fast Cure and Slow Cure materials. We've also got some epoxy repair materials as well, whether it be crack injection or, or resin mortars for your more sort of intricate works and technical works and, and chemical resistance and whatnot. And to back this all up, we have our range of primers, um, as well as also some protective coatings that we can then put over the top of these repairs, such as flooring materials if it's a, pa- if it's a slab repair, or anti-carbonation coatings if um, they're going to begin onto buildings. The majority of our concrete repair and protection products are um, EN1504 compliant and we use EN1504 as a basis to ensure successful projects and the right products are used in the right places. We work with specification people, uh, with surveying testing companies and also installing contractors to make sure that EN1504 is used as a basis for the projects and a successful project is delivered. Within the EN1504 standard, there's four different classifications of repair mortars. So you've got your class R1 and R2, they're your non-structural mortars, and you've got your R3 and R4, they're your structural repair mortars. So when you're looking at doing a repair, it's important to first of all understand how you're going to do the repair, what you're going to put in the, in place, what class standard of repair mortar does it need, and then it becomes a bit sometimes a collaborative effort between the parties concerned. Because for example, if you've got a large area, a contractor may find it easier to use a dry spray rather than a hand placed repair mortar. So these are the things that need to be considered before a, a repair mortar is chosen. It's also environmental things as well, like you know, if you're in a tidal area or something like that, yeah. or, or the different, you know, it's where the job actually is going to be as well. Yeah. So that can be quite important. Speed of return to service as well might be a, conf- yeah. a consideration. It's getting all that information from the client and from you know the specification and the contractors as well to sort of put that together. Yeah, absolutely. I think at this point we can talk about the concrete repair range of products that we have and it's fair to say we have a product for pretty much any application. Uh, I start with the hand placed repairs. Um, working backwards, our, four, our, our most common product is probably our R4 Renderock HP45 hand placed mortar which can be used vertically and overhead. Uh, our R3 mortars are Renderock GP which is general purpose mortar. HP30 which is uh, again a high build vertical overhead applications. Back to R2, which would be Renderock HB, which is for non-structural repairs. Within that R2 range, we also have Renderock FC, which is our fairing coat. That was that would be used to take out any imperfections. It is basically a two, three mil skim um, to leave it nice and flat. You then move on to your, to your larger repairs, uh, which we would generally use a flowable material for. Um, so within, the, again, the Renderock range, we have the LA range, LA, LA55 and LA60, they increase with the depth of repair. You can also actually use Patchwork 250, which is originally designed for, for slab repairs, road repairs, um, but that's since been passed. You can use it for fast repairs on 
on, on columns um, up to 250ml thick and that, that basically cures in two hours. One of the places where I think that's really good is like rail projects or highways type projects. Bus return service. Yeah, bus yeah. return service, yeah. And then for the really large repairs, you'd be looking to spray um, just for speed of application. Uh, you can wet spray the, the HB range and the and render up GP if, if the application sort of demands it. But most commonly, we spray dry spray and dry spray rapid. Um, obviously, including the name, the DSR goes off a lot faster. So you'd, you'd probably take on a wet spray, would you then, in the areas where dust is, is going to be an impact? Is that, that why you'd go wet spray? Wet spray more, so internally, yes, I think, yeah. whereas dry spray generally is, is done Excellent. outside. Yeah. So one thing to remember is no matter how good a repair material is, it's all reliant on how good the preparation is. So you need to be breaking out the, the defective concrete and also EN1504 standard specifies that you need to break out behind the steel so you can clean the steel properly, get all those loose oxides and all that corrosion off it and then you can then coating it with a primer. You want to reinstate that passivating layer around the bar so it's important, like I say, break back behind it, get all the, all the rust off and coat it. So the chosen material will choose uh, will determine which primer you're going to use um, or whether you actually even need one. Um, so the same thing we always say, read the data sheet, it's on there. Um, Hand-placed waters, you'll be using something like Renderock uh, Primer or Nitrobond HAR. These primers were tested at the EN1504 stage, so that's why they're on the date sheet and they are required. Also, for another thing about prep is you want to be stepping your repair because you often will go and see a failed repair because it's been feathered in. Mm. So you can't be feathering it in. You need to step it to, typically on a high build, uh, hand-placed repair more to be 10 mil. Step in that and a nice square edge as well. All very important for the longevity of your repair. So once we finish the repairs, you know, it's always good to cure the materials as well. We have a number of different curing agents that you can use. Um, it's always something that people don't like to do, but it yeah. is just so easy to do. Um, you know, with some like a knapsack sprayer or just even yeah. paint it paint on, it. brush it on or whatever. It's just really easy to do, but obviously it just ensures that the repair is protected um, during the curing out period, which is obviously very important. Yeah, because you've done all the hard work by doing the repairs. <laughs> Just spray a bit of curing agent on and yeah, it'll protect it. Thinking about it, there's a stack of stuff we haven't actually really covered. Uh, floor slab repairs being one of those. For anything up to four square metres, you could be looking at Renderock S, which is a hand-placed mortar, five mil down to 100. If you want a faster cure, you'd be looking at Patrick GP, which can be used from 12 mil down to 100 mil. You can build up in these as well. You're not just limited to, to that, that depth. You do obviously deeper repairs. But Patrick GP, you could be using a car park deck and be driving over it again in two hours. Patrick GP has been further developed um, into Patrick 250, which can be used from 25 down to 250 mil. That's specifically developed for road repairs where you can put it in, cures two hours, four hours later you can be put in, or four to six hours later you can be put in your waterproofing layer on it. It depends on the temperature, doesn't it? It does, yeah, very much so. And yeah, sort of time and item. Basically, yeah, the, the environment. Um, you can do larger repairs, We're not, you're not just limited to four square metres. Patch pave rock can be used up to 18 square metre bays. It's, it doesn't cure as fast, so you can do much larger areas in one go. And if you had sort of two, 300 square meters to do, you don't have to do it. You can't do it in one hit, obviously, but you can divide it up chessboard style, hit one, miss one, and then come back the next day and do the, follow the, the base that are left. 
So I suppose the only thing left to mention now is epoxies. Um, we do have epoxy repair mortars <clears throat> and they're often used for if you need chemical resistance or abrasion resistance. Um, but really when we're thinking epoxies, we, the crack injection is probably what we, what we do the most with, with epoxy resins. Um, one thing as well that's important to remember is if you've got a crack, you do need to investigate why you've got that crack. Because if it's because there's corrosion on the steel, like we mentioned before, you've got to treat that cause, not the symptoms. So you don't want to be injecting a crack that's caused due to corrosion on your steel. So that's one thing to, to be aware of. Um, but if it is just a crack because of, of um, some shrinkage or whatnot, um, once the slab was cast, for example, you can just then inject it with an um, epoxy uh, resin, which can go from, what was about 0.3 mil up to 9 mil. Um, we've got a low viscosity resin, um, which is sort of, if you think, the consistency of cooking oil, for example. Um, and then we've got a, a fixotropic resin, which is a bit more like wallpaper paste. Mm. I quite like the nitro kit. It's a good good sort of easy way of, of doing sort of crack injection isn't it as well it's it's yeah. cool comes in the kit everything's there that you need and, and away you go that's it yeah or you can just buy the resins if you do a lot of it you can buy the nitro fill which is the resin roll the nitro kit which obviously is the kit so once we've carried out the repairs sometimes we, we look to coat them if needs be um we have a number of different options for that i suppose depending on what what you're trying to coat um, if it's a anti-carbonation coating, we have the deck guard range. Um, if it's a floor coatings, we have our nitre floor and also our nitre deck range. So nitre deck can be used on car parks as well as balconies. And then we have numerous different flooring materials that we can do, which obviously cover a lot of the different furfer types um, that are out there. Um, we also have other coating systems for buns, for example. Um, chemical resistant coatings, chloride resistant coatings. Um, we also have other coatings such as STO5. Yeah, yeah, it's good STO5 because you can use that to reprofile as well. So you can go up from feather edge to five mil, can't it? So it's ideal for reprofiling mm. a, a substrate, and it's cover reinstating. So one mil of STO5 is equivalent to about ten mil of uh, normal concrete cover when it comes to carbonation or chloride attack. As with all these uh, materials, I suppose it's, it's, it's ideal to talk about sort of hints and really, I think the biggest hint we can give you is, is read the data sheet. Um, it's all set out on there from site preparation, product mixing, um, application, the ancillary items, there's estimating info on most of them. Um, when to use, when not to use. Exactly, so, yeah, like yeah, three degrees and rising. Um, if it is zero, if there's frost on the ground, don't start and don't expect it to cure. And if it does cure, it'll probably crack or get, you know, because you don't want frost damage. You don't want to waste your money doing all those repairs and then have to tear it out afterwards because yeah. you didn't read the data sheet. Also on the other side of the, the temperature spectrum, when it's a really hot day, don't forget your slab can maybe be 40 degrees, even if it's only say late 20s air temperature. So when you're saturating the, 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 the concrete, you want to make sure you have nice cool water. Store your bags inside. Don't leave your bags in a metal container getting boiling hot on site. Direct sunlight. Direct sunlight. There's hints and tips like that. And also, I suppose, the amount of times I've been to site where the bags have got wet because they've just been left outside in the rain. There's, there's protective wrapping over the pallet, but it's not going to keep it watertight from rain. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to, to be aware of. Ra any, any rain damage is going to ruin your bag of material. You quite often get lumps. In yeah. the material because the the moisture has got into it and, and that's it. It's meant to hydrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important not to mix part bags. 
the these are a blend of materials and you need that blend to ensure that you get the right compressive strength of the material at the end of the day um, if you start chopping and changing you're not always going to put the right amount of water in there might be something in the bottom of the bag that needs to be in the top of the bag and you're after a 50 mpa concrete and you're only getting 30 reasons are that the probability is that the most important part is is sat there in the bottom sort of 10 kilograms of that bag whereas you should be mixing all 25 kilograms in one go and mixing times as well you need to be observed because you can be mixing first couple of minutes you might think oh it's a bit stiff this and it'll suddenly just kick so you'd, even though it might look or feel right you do need to mix for that three minutes or whatever that particular bag's mix is, says but again you'll find that on the data sheet as well as you know Tony mentioned about water content that's often the case of what people often do is put the, the you know the water content in and think oh it's not enough so they just chuck <laughs> and things like that and then obviously that gives them the, the, an issue because they're not going to get the strength potentially um, and also they might get separation of the material as that, well yeah. you get it if it's too sloppy you won't yeah. be able to apply it either yeah um, it's very easy to put too much in it's very difficult you can't take it out again no. yeah and the other thing is, obviously, when you are finishing off a concrete repair, don't be splashing water on the surface. Like, you know, it's not plaster. If you do splash a load of water on the surface to try and get that decent, really smooth finish, you are just going to, you just get a friable surface, basically. Yeah, latent. Talking of getting that finish as well, what you'll sometimes see is people over-troweling it. You'd want to be making sure not to over-trowel, because what that might, may do is pull it away from the substrate as well, away from the parent substrate. So it's often better times, let it stabilise and then just come and knock those trowel marks off with a, with a sponge or something like that towards the end after it's started to set. Is it is a good tip finishing. So we've been talking about different tips that we can give people when they're looking at concrete repair, but one of the best tips I could probably give you is to use a specialist concrete repair applicator for your project. Um, you know, we deal with these guys all the time so we can help point people in the right direction. Um, and, you know, the guys who we, we deal with regularly um, have got lots of experience about these types of projects, about, you know, how to do them, how to access them, um, how to apply the products and things like that. So when we're working with specialist contractors on site, there are a number of things that we, we do as a company. We're happy to attend site, ensure that the installing contractor is following the data sheet guidelines, installing, following the EM1504 guidance. We do toolbox talks, so if it's a product that they haven't used before, we can come and show them how to do it. Uh, we will then certify the installing, con uh, the, the actual individual, that, they, that they're competent with, with installing our products. In, in some cases, it's, it's often a tick box exercise that the actual main contractor wants to understand that the installing contractor knows what they're doing as well. We're happy to back them up. We, when the job's complete, we will issue product warranties. Um, we can also put you in contact with, with specialist com companies that will come and independently verify the works as well. In, in some cases, we were finding that some projects demand that sort of level yeah. of cover as well. We also work closely with specifiers. And regularly visiting them and doing CPD seminars and keeping them up to date with the latest technology and product innovation. This can be done in person or obviously with what's happened over the last couple of years, we've all become quite proficient with doing it over Teams or Zoom. I think as well the other thing we can do, well we have access to, is the webinar series that we've done. Um, we have a number of FOSROC webinars that people can get off the website um, and, and do them at their own leisure really. Yeah, some good content on there, not just about concrete repair, all sorts. Yeah, you've got waterproofing, um, is it car park 
yeah. and it's rapid return to service. So there's a joint sequence one on there as well. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. I hope you found it useful. Keep an eye out for our next podcast in the series, A Technical Guide to Grouting Solutions, which will be coming soon.